The Church, in her wisdom, sets out weekly readings from the Gospels. These readings allow us to follow the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ and the story of our salvation. Upper Room Media presents to you the weekly Sunday homily delivered from Sydney, Australia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christos Anisti. Christ is risen. And Messiah come. Thank God for today's Gospel. It's one of the most beautiful Gospels of hope and renewal. And during Holy Lent, we actually missed this Gospel because we were celebrating... What were we celebrating? Feast of the Cross, yes, thank you. We're celebrating the Feast of the Cross. But thank God, through the wisdom of the Church and of the Fathers, we actually read this Gospel many times. We read it. Anyone know how many times we read this Gospel throughout the year? No, not two. How many? Three. That's right, we read this Gospel three times. That's how important this Gospel is and how beautiful this Gospel is. So as we know, we have our Lord Jesus Christ coming to Samaria, and as we read, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. And actually, I wasn't going to talk about this point, but after speaking to Abu Nukrulus yesterday about this, he opened my eyes to this, this word needed. He needed to go to Samaria. He's God, he's Christ, he doesn't need to do anything, right? But he needed to go there because he needed to save this soul. She needed him, and he needed to go. He thirsted for something, and it wasn't water. It was her, her, her salvation. So he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sakar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. And this was about the sixth hour. And we know this woman came to the well to get water. Now we know that the sixth hour is what time? Hmm? Twelve. Right, the 12th, uh, 12 o'clock, noon. And this is the hottest time of the day. So nobody really goes out to get water at this time. It's not customary that anyone goes out. Everyone waits till it cools down a little bit. So it's completely out of the ordinary for someone to carry heavy water pots during this heat, especially a woman at this time. So she comes and she finds the Lord and he says to her, give me a drink. And what does she say to him? How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. We have no dealings with one another. Why are you even speaking to me? And the first thing we want to talk about is why. What's going on with Samaria and, 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 and Jerusalem? What's, what's the beef with, with, with everyone, with the Jews and Samaritans? What's going on? It's important that we go back to the Old Testament and we see that after Solomon's reign, the kingdom was divided in two. If you remember, the northern kingdom and the southern, southern kingdom. And they were in exile. And what happened was the Gentiles and the Jews intermarried and the result of this was the Samaritans. And another thing is that they believed in only the first five books of Moses, which we call the Pentateuch. Right? So they ignored books like Jeremiah and Isaiah. So for the Jews, these people didn't know what they were talking about. How do you, you know, you don't know how to worship, you don't know how to pray, you don't know God. They're different from us, the Jews thought. And another thing is that the Samaritans are very close to a mountain called Gerizim. And on this mountain, they built a temple where they worshipped. And we know that the Jews had their temple where? In Jerusalem, right? Which Solomon built. So there was always this argument of which temple was the one to pray in, and even later on in the, in the conversation, uh, you know, this woman brings that up. You know, we pray here, our fathers pray here, you say that we're supposed to pray in Jerusalem. So there's always a disconnect between the two. 
But going back to the conversation with our Lord and this Samaritan woman, in analyzing the dialogue, and that's what we want to focus on today, we want to analyze the dialogue between her and our Lord, we see the dynamic of her comfort change as the conversation proceeds. In the beginning it was, how can you being a Jew speak to me a Samaritan woman? There's resistance, right? There's a barrier, there's a very, very uncomfortable feeling. Why are you speaking to me? And by the way, back then, a woman seen speaking to a woman alone, this was very scandalous. How can you being a man, let alone a Jew, speak to me? So there's very, very, very big resistance, a big barrier. Then as we continue, we see that Christ mentions living water. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. So now she starts to get a little bit more comfortable living water. Is, what's this living water? She says, sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank? So what is this living water? We have to talk about this living water. For her, she completely misunderstood. Living water back then, in the ordinary sense, means fresh water. So flowing from a stream or a spring rather than from a pond or a cistern. So she thought he, he was offering her fresher water, cleaner water. So she's, okay, where do I get this cleaner water than, than what we have here? But Christ uses the term to mean what? The grace of the Holy Spirit that leads to eternal life. This is a gift not only that remains in a person, but it overflows to everyone that's around them. A spring of living water, right, that everyone can drink from. The woman misunderstands and asks Christ, are you greater than our father Jacob? And in the scriptures, Jacob is a type of Christ, right? What did Jacob dream about? What did he dream about? Hmm. Not stairs. Huh. You're close. Hmm. Someone said it. A ladder. Absolutely. A ladder between where? The church uh, ground and the roof? Hmm? Earth and heaven. Right? He dreamed of this ladder between earth and heaven and the angels descending and, and, and ascending. Who is that ladder? Christ. Christ fulfills this, this ladder. Right? So Christ gives us the well of the Holy Spirit for eternal life. Just as Jacob gave us this well for earthly water, Christ comes and gives us a well inside of us springing up into eternal life. So it's important that we speak about this living water as Christ today comes to give us this water. And we'll talk about that in a moment. We want to go back to this dialogue. So afterwards, he says to her, when she says, okay, I'll have some of this water, he says, go and call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And he, he says to her, rightly so, you have said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. You truly spoke. So then she said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place that one ought to worship. So we see the dynamic change. First he was this Jew, this, why are you speaking to me, we have no dealings. And then the comfort level changes, it's like, oh, you're a prophet. Okay, we can have this dialogue together. And as they continue speaking, she says, you know what, I know that the Messiah will come and he will teach us all things. So for her, in this story that we analyze, he goes from being a, just this Jew who's speaking to her, this resistance, to being a prophet. Okay, maybe I should hear what he has to say. Maybe he has something useful to say. And then he goes to being the Messiah, the Savior, the King, who removes her shame, who removes her reproach, who saves her, who gives her this eternal water. The dynamic changed drastically. 
From this point on, she forgot about everything. She forgot the water pot. Nobody drank water. She forgot everything. And she ran into town and she told everyone who she was speaking who she was speaking to. And if you think about it, the reason why she was going at 12 at noon in the sixth hour is why? To get away from everyone. She didn't want to see anyone. So the dynamic completely changed. She went from I didn't want to see anyone to now, in a matter of moments, seconds, speaking to our Lord, running, and she didn't care about the shame and telling everyone, come and see a man who told me all things. So in analyzing this transformation, we see that the first thing that Christ did was he revealed to her what her issue was. He revealed to her the sin in her life. He told her, this is why you're having a problem. So today Christ is coming to us to reveal to us what our issue is. To us personally. He comes today and says to us, and he asks us for a drink. But he is not thirsting for water. He's thirsting for our salvation, just as he thirsted for her salvation. So we have to ask ourselves today, how do we see Christ? In Christ, Christ in my life, how do I see him? Is he just a Jew? Just a historical figure that we talk about and we have no dealings with? Unfortunately, there are people who come to the church and sit in the church and Christ for them is just a historical figure. He came and he died and he did his thing it's in history, just like Abraham Lincoln, right? someone in history. Or is he a prophet? Someone who I believe to be God, he's the son of God, someone who I know, we know who he is, we know about him, we celebrate him, right? I know who he is. Or is he the Messiah? for me is he my personal lord and savior because in the beginning of the story he was a complete stranger to her and then the comfort level changed for okay he's a prophet he understands something he might have something to offer me and then the messiah the awaited king who she knew she was waiting for who she knew everyone was waiting for so we have to ask ourselves today who is christ us. Of course, on the outside, everyone will say, of course, he's the Messiah, he's our Lord, he's our King. And that's great, that's wonderful that we confess this. But on the inside, where it's just me and God, this is where I have to ask this question. This living water became in her a spring that flowed to everyone else in town. Is our relationship with God like this? Does the Holy Spirit flow inside of me so that everyone I encounter their lives are changed, they get a sense of Christ, they feel the Holy Spirit working in their lives. This is what God comes to give us today. We want to embrace it and we want to hold on to it. It is also the love of sin that keeps us away from the Lord. It's the love of sin that keeps this resistance, that keeps Him away from us, that keeps us away from Him. It makes our meeting with Christ uncomfortable. And this is why a lot of times when we come to pray, it's a little awkward. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. Uh, I want to pray, but I don't have the zeal to pray. The devil makes us so comfortable in sin and darkness that we resist the light, the resistance. Right? We hear stories of these saints who, you know, Ambabshoi would tie, uh, you know, a rope around him so that he wouldn't fall asleep, and and so many of these saints that they would pray for hours, and people are praying, and I don't get it. How are they doing it? I don't. I can't stand for five minutes. I, I could, but uh, I get bored. I don't know what to do. How? Why is it that I don't have the love of prayer? Why is it that it's, there's this resistance when it comes to talking to God? And we see in this story the answer. If there is resistance between me and God, and there's a resistance when Christ comes to ask me for a drink, and I say, ah, you know, we have no dealings with one another. It's uncomfortable. It's because I'm still holding on to my shame. I'm still holding on to my sin, just like this woman was. But Christ comes today, and he takes this away. 
as we see, things escalated pretty quickly. She went from being shameful to see anyone to running into town and telling everyone and leaving the water pot. And this is the kind of drastic change that we're looking for today. We want to leave the church today, leaving our water pots, forgetting about the water, forgetting about anything earthly, and knowing that Christ has taken our shame and our sin and has erased it. Once our sin is confessed and erased, all of a sudden our eyes are open to see the Messiah. Our eyes are open to see the truth and the light, and there is comfort with God. There is a relationship where that barrier once was. And if you go back to the Old Testament, we see this, we see this with Adam and Eve. If you remember when Christ, when God would come and walk with Adam before the sin, what would happen? They would walk together, they would be happy together, they would talk together. And then after sin, when God comes to look for Adam, God's voice becomes what for Adam? Becomes what? Mm. Yes, terrifying, absolutely, it's scary. So God can either be for us a friend that we walk with, or His voice can be terrifying and uncomfortable. And that sin is the barrier. And today He comes to remove this sin. And in continuing the story, He tells her straight out who He is. Right? Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. When she says, I know that the Messiah is coming and He will teach us all things, He says to her, I am He. And the fathers tell us that this is literally translated to I am. Ego imi. Right? Before Abraham was I am. Which is the divine name of God. I am. And its use indicates a theophany or a revelation of God himself. So God again is telling us today, here I am. I am God. I am able to remove the sin. I am able to remove the shame. I am able to give you living water. If you will allow me. If you will allow me. And he also speaks to us who are serving. All of us who are serving in the church, he speaks to us directly and he says, my food, when they told him to, to eat and, and you know, if, he, if he had any food, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Then he says to them, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. And he's telling them to look up and who's he looking at? Who are they looking at? Hmm? Anyone know who they're looking at? The Samaritans, right? Everyone that's coming, the woman brought everyone. So Christ is telling his disciples, look, look at the harvest. Look at all the people that need to be served. Look at all the people that are ready to believe in God, to believe in the resurrection, to have faith. So Christ is talking to us today and he's telling us to look up and see all of the people that we are serving. This is a command for us to lift up our eyes and to share the gospel and the good news by how we live. We as servants have a responsibility to have this living water inside of us so that it springs forth onto others. That it springs forth to, onto others. It's the Holy Spirit's work that brings everyone into the church. And we as servants, the Holy Spirit uses us as vessels. So we must be vessels for this, for this waters. This woman experienced Christ and ran to share. We must be doing the same thing. And as many Samaritans believed, they came and said, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves heard him, and we know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And we know that he is the Christ, the Savior of the world. And in conclusion, we want to speak about who this woman was. Does anyone know what her name was? Saint what? Someone said it. Fotini, yes, absolutely. Her name was Saint Fotini. She was baptized, right? Her and her children, her two sons and her five daughters, and she became an early evangelist. And she was martyred 
with her family under Emperor Nero. Anyone knows how she was martyred? It's pretty ironic. Anyone know? Hmm? She was thrown into a well. Absolutely, she was thrown into the well. So full circle. Her salvation came at the well when she met Christ, and her crown of martyrdom came at the well when she was martyred. Beautiful, beautiful story of hope and, and an experience with our Savior. So may God give us today to be ready to accept this living water from our Lord and may we be worthy and ready to allow Him to take away all of our troubles by breaking down the barriers between us and Him. And when we know Him and experience Him as our Messiah and our Savior and glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart, and we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.